Welcome to the uh, LSE. Um, my name is Charlie Beckett. Uh, I used to be a journalist. I'm now a professor in the Department of Media and Communications here at the LSE. I'm also a director of POLIS, which is the LSE's international journalism think tank. And we're uh, hosting this event along with the London Press Club. Uh, I'm delighted that uh, so many of you have turned out uh, tonight. This is the best attended event the LSE has ever held. <laughs> there must be 50,000 of you out there. <laughs> but seriously, I was in the US uh, talking to journalists in the wake of uh, Donald Trump's election, and it's clear that there's a crisis, in a sense a moral crisis, perhaps a, a moral panic around uh, political journalism out there. Uh, especially, of course, mainstream uh, liberal news media. And, of course, in some ways you could argue that they were complicit in the rise of Donald Trump. They gave him an em enormous amount of attention and uh, a wonderful platform. Uh, but they didn't uh, predict what happened. And as much as many of them tried to critique and expose Donald Trump, um, it only seemed to pour petrol on the flames of his popularity. And now he's in power, we can see that the uh, media watchdogs are being bitten back and the public aren't necessarily on the side of the journalists. Something has clearly changed when a newspaper like the New York Times describes a president's statements as lies in its headlines. The Trump administration, we're seeing, um, before our eyes, is going way beyond the usual spin that politicians adopt. They're trying to set an agenda where all facts have alternative facts and where they can disrupt the usual protocols and accountability systems of media and government. Now, some people might think that's actually a good thing. And, of course, this may also seem a little familiar to those of you who were in the UK for our... EU referendum uh, debate and the subsequent debate around Brexit where at times at least experts were derided and both sides indulged in the politics of fear and not facts and many feel that our news media was either unwilling or unable to do its job in a world where diverse opinions and strong emotions have been unleashed by this explosion of online sources and commentary. So, are we in a post-truth world? Personally, I think the phrase is too often used to describe anything that you don't agree with. Uh, the phrase fake news is often too often used to mean an opinion that you don't share. But there's no doubt, as far as I'm concerned, that this is uh, both a shock and perhaps a wake-up call to journalists. Uh, tonight to chart a way through this, we've got three very political journalists from three different uh, news organisations, and we've also got a supporter of the current administration in the US. But first, there he is, Brian. I'm really pleased um, that this is working. <laughs> I'm very pleased that we can go live and direct to the senior media correspondent for CNN and the host of a fantastic show called Reliable Sources, Brian Stelter, and he's taken uh, time out of covering the story we're talking about to give us 
uh, his view, first of all, on the kind of the state of play between President Trump and the US news media. So, Brian, hello. Thank you for having me. I feel Orwellian looming so large here. <laughs> I just get a chance to speak. Great. So, how, how serious do you, do, you, do you take this, especially now we've moved from the campaign into power. How serious is this a crisis for journalists or is it just a sort of self-indulgent angst? Oh, I think a lot of what we're talking about here and what you all will be talking about tonight is existential for journalism. And in some ways these fake news websites have done us all a huge favor. As you were talking about, a wake-up call to recognize how the media ecosystem really works, to recognize how complicated and ugly and confusing it is out there for a lot of news consumers, no matter where they are in the world. I think back 10 or 20 years, uh, in the United States, you've got the National Enquirer, Star Magazine, tabloids, you can buy at the supermarket checkout. Weekly World News, these are the tabloids that stories about Martians landing and about Michael Jackson and things like that. Everyone knows where those magazines fit into the news ecosystem. I think that's true where you are as well. Everyone knows where tabloid newspapers fit. But the internet is so much more complicated, so much more confusing for, for users. And I think the current hysteria about fake news, which, which sort of feels like hysteria, it has been helpful because it has is, it is forced people to confront how confusing the, the, the news media, how, how, how confusing it is to be on Facebook, to be on Twitter, and to be seeing all these stories and not knowing what's true and false. Solving this is a hard problem, but uh, in the past few months, thanks to this term fake news, there's a lot more awareness. Of course, the term has also been exploited. It's been misused. Uh, Donald Trump is misusing it almost every day. It is probably time to retire the term fake news and refer more specifically to hoaxes and lies and propaganda. But I'm glad that there's been this wake-up call recently. But what about mainstream news? Because um, there was this extraordinary sort of self-flagellation around the coverage of the campaign and struggling as we speak about how they deal with it. Do you think that in a way it has exposed you know, this classical American journalism, this White House press corps, this liberal media elite who are very concerned about the process... Do you think it's exposed in a sense of failure of American mainstream political journalism? I think the credibility crisis in American journalism is more clear now, partly because of Trump's election, but partly because of years of erosion in the polls. Uh, this is partly because of politicians who have been trying to tear down the media and call it biased and call it a failure. There are so many journalists doing such wonderful work every day in the U.S., and it's a shame to lump them in with the failures and the weaknesses that we see elsewhere in the media. But I think what we see right now are, are people self-selecting, clearly uh, living in echo chambers, some of them preferring news sources that are misleading them. And I use the word news, I suppose, in air quotes when I say that. Uh, Sean Hannity's talk show and the New York Times are all on a spectrum of media, but they could not be more different. And we've got to do a better job articulating that and helping people understand the differences between them. And what do you think about um, what uh, the president himself has done 
and obviously the administration. Do you think this is a sort of strategic policy to disrupt and undermine the usual kind of news media criticism, or is this just uh, the, the, the sort of random personality of an unusual, pers uh, of an unusual politician? Uh, some of it is whining. When, when Donald Trump sees something on cable news that he doesn't like, he, he does complain about it on Twitter, and that's not strategic. That's just, that's no different than me on the TV at night. That's no different than me shooting off a tweet at somebody I'm angry at. And there is something underneath this, though, that is on purpose to delegitimize the press, not just Donald Trump, uh, by his aides and by other politicians as well. It's not every tweet that's on purpose, but the broader effort to say the media is dishonest, you cannot believe them, you can only believe me, that is strategic. Uh, and that is a danger to journalism that has not been seen in a long, long, long time. Uh, you can go back to Nixon in some ways in the US, but it's different now because of the internet. Uh, I think journalists are rising to the occasion though. I mean, John, you mentioned the New York Times using the word lie in a headline for the last two days. We're seeing a lot of news outlets figure out how to be more loud uh, how to be louder with the truth in order to challenge all the falsehoods we're hearing. And, and thinking about the future, I mean, do they have to make bold decisions, for example, not to cover the president's tweets? Do they have to be more robust in press conferences or even not attend uh, press conferences? Or do you think they can engage? I think we have to meet falsehoods with facts. We have to respond when he's posting inaccurate information, when he's misleading people, when he's trying to, to confuse the country about voter fraud. Ignoring it is not an option because for a lot of people, Trump's tweets are news. For a lot of people, to see a tweet is the same as seeing a news story. Uh, and they take his word for it. So we've got to fact check, um, but also have our own agenda and not be driven entirely by Trump's news agenda. It's, this is incredibly difficult. Uh, and even, even when we try, we don't always get it right. Uh, but what I see right now is a, is a very bold and um, uh, inspiring time for journalism in the US. The challenge is how to get it to reach all the consumers. Uh, we can write really clear stories uh, very accurately, uh, very forcefully. But if they're not reaching the audience they're meant to reach, then all of it's wasted. And then the challenge now is to figure out how to engage various parts of the country that may not want to hear these uncomfortable truths. Excellent. That, that, that's really helpful, Brian. Thanks very much. I know you've got to go on air soon. So we'll, we'll, we'll say <laughs> goodbye yeah, now. We'll put the makeup on, but uh, thank you very much. That's right. And thanks very much for joining us. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Brian.